Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, and for many of you, welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. This is Bashamania, the podcast where... I try to bring the absolute best names in the sport of wrestling to you. Some you you know, you see, you follow, the Jordan Burroughs, the David Taylors, the Bo Nichols of the world. But some are coaches. Some are guys behind the scenes. Some are guys you don't know that well. And I want to help tell their story. Today's episode is no different. Today we have Izzy Martinez coming on the show. If you're ingrained in the wrestling community like I am, you probably know who Izzy is. He's the head coach at Montini Catholic in Illinois. They're a top 10 high school wrestling program. Right now, I believe they're currently ranked sixth in the country. And he's also a superstar coach in the MMA world. He's the wrestling coach for Holly Holm, who knocked out Ronda Rousey for champion John Jones, for Clay Guida. The guy is just everywhere coaching everybody. But like many who have stories of success, they have stories of failure. And today we're going to dive into the Izzy story. So we're going to get started here in a minute. Before we do, guys, if you haven't subscribed yet, this is your first time here. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I try to bring you a ton of wrestling content. Anybody who's anybody in this sport is a potential guest or has already been on the show. We've already had dozens of Olympic champions, world champions, NCAA champions. You name it, we're trying to bring you. I'm trying to bring you the absolute best names in the sport. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Give the podcast a follow on social media. It's at Bashmania. I'm at jbash if you want to interact, ask questions, whatever it may be. So without further ado, let's roll the intro and get this thing started. It's Bashmania! Mania. Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do when Bashamania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Israel Martinez, commonly known by the brand Izzy Style. How are you, my man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm pumped we were able to make time to do this because your, your schedule is just wild. You know, it's uh, it's definitely uh, keeps my day busy. I'll tell you what. There's a lot of good things going on, and uh, yeah. And we'll, we'll get into everything that's keeping your schedule busy now from wrestling coach to MMA coach to father, like you've got a, just a slew of titles, but let's go back a little bit. Cause I feel like so many people, if you're not a diehard wrestling fan and your name isn't mainstream, you just fly into the radar. You don't know certain people like, you know, I or other people that are in the sport think of Illinois. They think of you, you think of Jersey, you think of like the Mike Gray's of the world. But without being Olympic champion, there's so many like kids that don't get to hear these names. So I, I want to kind of get into the Izzy story. Going back early, you had a. When did you start wrestling? 
So I started wrestling when I was nine years old at uh, East Aurora okay. High School, uh, the Tomcat Wrestling Club. A uh, uh, guy named Tony Oliva was my head wrestling coach, and my dad was obviously my head wrestling coach, but uh, Tony Oliva ran the Tomcat Wrestling Club, and uh, that's where I started uh, when I was nine years old. And when did you start realizing you were good? Um, you know what? I think right away I knew before we even started wrestling I was going to be pretty good um just by uh, i had an older brother who beat me up every day um i had uh, a lot of friends (laughs) yeah i had a lot of friends in the neighborhood that would often try to challenge you know you wrestle around with and after your brother beat you up he was older than you you know when you kind of wrestle around with the neighborhood friends you kind of realize you know you you've picked up a couple things just from trying to survive with your brother. Yeah. So, you know, the way I knew I was going to, uh, I knew I was tough. My dad kind of believed in it. And, um, yeah, it was right off the start. Here we go. And then when did you realize you were having to jump levels? Cause you know, going, it, it's such an interesting conversation that so many people are having right now around how youth wrestling should be a development scene. Right. And there's so many different opinions on when should the elite wrestling start? Like, when did you start really saying, "Okay, I'm good at this. I want to be the best in the world. I got to continue to be better and better and better. Like, when did you really commit to that diligence of getting better? You know, I think my dad kind of did it for me. You know, I think that that's kind of how it is. You know, I think that there's some kids in the in the world out there that that are just downright world beaters they're aggressive um they're strong they mentally like to wrestle you know i think that i my dad saw that in me i didn't realize it right away um and that's kind of how it was my dad pushed us pretty hard because he believed that i had that i had that elite mentality that i could get to that next level so you know from an early age we were doing the right things we were drilling a couple hours a day um basic fundamentals daily and then going through high school, what was your high school career like? You know, I, I know, weren't you like a wildly recruited when you were senior? Like you were, you were wanted. You know, you know I wrestled growing up in the IKWF, which in okay. Illinois, it's a, it's a big wrestling federation. It's the yep. big, there's, there's IESA, Illinois Elementary okay. Schools. And um, there's uh, IKWF, Illinois Kids Wrestling Federation, and uh, the Illinois Kids Wrestling Federation is the elite, um, the elite found uh, program for yeah. the youth boys, and uh, you know that's that's what I wrestled in, and I, I wrestled in it uh, right away, nine years old, ten years old, you know, right into the novice state tournament, not senior state tournament, um, so it was a uh, you know, it was it was a quick rise, and then by the time I got to high school, I, I was uh, I went to West Aurora High School. Um, I won a state title freshman year, sophomore year, junior year. You know, so bam, bam, bam. You know, three in yeah. a row. Uh, placed at Fargo um, as a sophomore. I got third in juniors. Okay. So back then the weights were a little different. You know, they weren't every five pounds. It was yeah. one twenty, one twenty one. I think one twenty, one thirty two. You know, one thirty two, one. Yeah or whatever um so you know i play i was fortunate enough to make a couple of the cadet world teams um so cadets were uh world team trials were in evanston so it was like the backyard (laughs) yeah really was it was uh it was one of those scenarios where you uh you're in your hometown you got to go out there and and perform so i was fortunate enough to have the cadet world team trials in my backyard and um i i I did well at them i um i also went to the cadet world team trials um in 99 i pulled the third place at the cadet world team trials 
Um, you know, I graduated no one. So my senior year, 2000, 2001 was, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the best wrestler in high school, but I had a lot of talent and a lot of promise. Um, yeah, so that that's just kind of how my high school career went. You know, my senior year, I ended up, uh, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was in a tough place and um, I, I didn't really get out of the a rut that I started in. And uh, my senior year kind of got exposed a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of my weaknesses, I ended up getting in trouble for partying and, and not doing the right things. And, uh, and then um, I didn't give up. So then I don't give up there. Right. Yep. And then I go uh, to junior college. So I go to North Idaho college um, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, Pat Wickham, okay. um, Roberts were my coaches. They were awesome guys, man. I'm telling you about first class guys. Um, they took a guy from the suburbs of Chicago, a little punk thug, a <laughs> uh, tough guy, and um, basically, you know, brought me in their homes and treated me like I was their boy. And, um, you know, it, it was great. You know, I was fortunate enough. I won a junior college national title right off the bat. And then, you know, I uh, went back to my ways a little bit and started, uh, you know, figuring out where I'm going to go. And, and my wrestling was doing well. And um, so I ended up getting recruited uh, by Jimmy Zaleski. Um, so I uh, got recruited to the University of Iowa by Jimmy Zaleski. And uh, I had one more semester left. Yep. Um in junior college, but I left early and I uh, went to move to Iowa City early uh, to train with the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and just kind of yep. get there and, you know, get my, you know, get my grades in line yeah. and get wrestle, you know, you just, you know, it's not, it wasn't that easy for a guy like me who, um, you know, loved the uh, nightlife and, uh, yeah. my city was, uh, it was tough. I never ended up finishing, uh, I never ended up finishing that semester and, um, I ended up leaving, you know, Iowa city shortly after that. Um, but it was, um, it was definitely fun, uh, time there. You know, I, uh, got to spend a lot of time with, uh, with, uh, Mark Perry and Steve Mako and, uh, yeah. just a lot of guys on that squad, Tom and Neely, just some, some big time guys in the sport, but yeah, that's kind of where my, my path went through the sport, you know, and we could go back and touch on some of those things. But, and then, uh, after I leave Iowa city, I come back to Chicago. And my father is a youth wrestling coach here in uh, Chicago, and he started Martinez Wrestling. Okay. And um, we did, my dad did wrestling camps for the last, you know, probably I, I would say 20 years, you know, 25 years. He uh, started these wrestling, the Martinez Wrestling Camps. He had Martinez Elite. Um, they were a top, one of the top programs in Illinois for the last 20 years, 15 yeah. years. Uh, but but beside that, back uh I would say back uh, 15 years ago when I came home uh, from Iowa City, my dad was uh, he had a top club and uh, he had some guys there that were uh, that were um, looking to do really well. Uh, Tony Ramos was on his yeah. team. Um, he had a uh, Mark Stenberg, um, Aaron Goldston. I mean, there's a long list of guys. Yeah. You know, and those are just the ones off the top of my head. But um, so my dad had that club. So I come home and, um, you know, you, 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 you're you you come home because you didn't you didn't pan out. Um, yeah. You know, the, you don't know what to do, but you wrestled all your life um, and your dad's got a club. So it works great. You know, you're, you kind of walk into, you know, working out with Tony Ramos, working out with some of these really young kids, 10, 11 years old. Yeah. Um, and uh, you, you end up 
you're fortunate you spend some time in a D1 room. You're fortunate you spent uh, time around uh, big-time coaches, Pat Whipcomb, Kevin Roberts. I was fortunate I got to see a lot of different teammates that were in uh, North Idaho, so I picked up a lot of wrestling. So as I get home, I'm fresh out of college, technically. And I'm showing some high-level stuff to guys like Tony Ramos and these yeah. guys. And that's kind of how Izzy Style started. You know, I go from being an assistant coach at Montini, uh, starting Izzy Style Wrestling, you know, till till we're here now. So, so many questions on all that because your story. <laughs> there's so many. There's so many elements to it that remind me of like Seth Gross's story. Goes to Iowa, doesn't pan out. He wasn't there that long. Goes home, and then, you know, he had so, so much success with more to come. I'm sure, but there was that different path um so you go to iowa city it doesn't work out you go back home what's your mindset like did you view that as a failure a bump in the road like what did you view that as internally all right so you're a young boy right so you you this isn't the first time right so what i mean by that is i'm a young boy and um as far as a high school guy and i don't i get i basically kicked out my senior year you know you go yeah. from being a three-time champ returning fine of uh, getting ready to be a four-timer you know i had 118 matches in a row i won you know i was getting ready to break all the records um literally you know most consecutive wins at that point i mean just a bunch of records that i was ready to set and it didn't my my you know it got taken out from underneath me because my you know my lifestyle choices so yeah. that prepared me for life. I mean, that failure right there uh, prepared me for the next failure. And um, and it, it prepared me that, hey, listen, I got kicked out of high school as far as off the wrestling team. You know, I get kicked off the team. I battle back. I get the, get some good grades because I, I did well for a semester and a half. Yeah. So I, I get some good grades. I turn it around. I win a junior college national title. You know, I, I beat a bunch of D1 dudes. Um, you know, not top All-American, but, but right there yep. is some some tough dudes along the way there was a promise you know so i felt that so when things didn't work out in iowa city i was down and um yeah. you know obviously i had some bad outside of the wrestling room habits yeah. right um so but you don't give up because you know you hit rock bottom before and you know that hey if you get your shit together you can you can piece it back together so yeah. That's what I did. I, that's what I started. The first day I got home is the first day I started uh, the next path to, hey, get up, dust yourself off, and and, and, and let's go. Let's, let's make something out of yourself. And what was that path like? Because I, I can relate. Like When I was in high school, I never really partied and did much, but I was a troublemaker. When I was 18, I ended up moving out, getting my own apartment. Within a year, I racked up credit card debt. I ended up living with my girlfriend because I left my apartment. We broke up. I was living out of my car. And it's like, man. Those were the fun days. Those <laughs> Right, the fun days. <laughs> and, and it's like that. I'm so grateful for that now because it taught me so much. And it, it's something that I've got friends that are very successful or that have very successful parents, and they wish they had that. Because once you have that feeling of hitting rock bottom, it teaches you stuff nothing else can. I'm curious what when you felt like okay I'm at rock bottom. What was it like to to get off? What was it like to get up? Was it something that it took you a while to get back on your feet? Was it like what was me kind of mentality? Like what was it like to? It's so easy. Like once you go through a failure, you hit rock bottom, then you become successful. It, it seems like our memories fade for how long we were down. Like what was it like when you were down? 
I'll tell you what, um, like I told our boys uh, this morning, they have finals, so we got to work out early today. And um, it's um, you can't let that sting go away. You know, we didn't have the greatest Ironman second day the other day, uh, yeah. uh, a couple days ago. And then today, you know, a couple guys might have their head down or they're not doing the right things in the room. And you got to remind them, hey, you know, four days ago, you felt like you were never going to put your head down again and you were going to work hard and overcome it. So that's right. kind of where I was. I, I, um, it's like, I tell all our boys here, like I tell all my athletes, every day's a fresh start. Every day you wake up, you, you can change your life and change the direction of where you are. And don't, don't hold that, that resentment or don't hold that negative energy to tomorrow. And that's, that's kind of where, where my mentality has always been. It's, um, you've never failed yesterday sucked. Tomorrow's going to be better, you know, and it's always been like that. I've never looked at myself as I was a failure. Yeah. I've never looked at myself like that. I always, I always knew I was raised the right way. I, I had great parents, you know, I had great support system uh, as far as that. It was when I decided to not listen to, and I decided to go off is what hurt, yeah. right? But, but ultimately I had core values that stuck with me for my whole life. It's never give up. Life sucks sometimes, yeah. but tomorrow is going to get better. And if it doesn't, the day after will, you know, and it's, um, that, that's where, that's where my head's always been. And, and it's interesting too, because I, I'm always so curious about the coach athlete relationship and where somebody can relate and where they can't. And it's like, man, it's so interesting to see all walks of life. Like I, I just was talking to Reese Humphrey and, and, and Chris Bono not so long ago, both of them on the podcast about the transition from athlete to coach and how they took everything from being an athlete in life. And when you, when you've gone through something, you can relate and they listen to you a lot more. And when you're like, no, you don't understand. I was there. I've hit rock bottom. I've done this. I've made a bad decision. I've been there. What question a, what was it like transitioning from athlete to coach and kind of question B, how did that help you in that transition? Having all of your experience, both good and bad, how did that help that transition? All right. So like Bono, I guess, like Humphreys, like all these dudes, my scenario was different. Yep. They they competed hard, right? Into their late twenties. They were yep. they you know, those guys are legends, right? I never had I took that opportunity for myself. So I didn't have this phase of man, I'm not getting you know, hey, maybe my I did my grub best. I had an amazing career, right. right? Like like I'm now I'm gonna switch into coaching. No, no, it wasn't like that with me. It was you're done wrestling. The only way you're going to survive is by you getting in the room coaching these young boys. So it was, you better, you better figure it out. You know, you better figure it out. You better, you know, and that's kind of where I was at. It was, there was no transition, bro. It, I got in some shit and I got sent home and I got kicked out of that place. And it was, hey, man, this is what your skill is. This is what my skill has always been. I did, I've done camps in Iowa all over the country growing up, even when I was eight, 19, 20, 21, even when I was in Iowa city, I did, uh, some, some camps in the area and people loved it because, um, you know, you gotta have passion, you know, kids are tired at practice. So I took a lot of energy into that. Yeah. And so now, I mean, you're, it wouldn't sound like this based on your story of those couple years, but you're now coaching at Montini Catholic, which was a top, is a top 10 high school program in the country. And, and that's just wrestling, like wrestling, like high school folk style, freestyle. 
Then there's also the MMA side of it where you're coaching John Jones, Holly Holm, Clay Guida. What was, how did that come about? How did you start training all those guys? So it's been nuts, you know? So, so my, uh, when I, from 18 years old to 22, those, those, uh, those four years were wicked, right? Those were years where I just completely derailed the train and, um, you know, it, it, you you learned a lot, right? You 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 had some fun too. You know, I, yeah. you, you look back and you go, "Hey, I did this." You know, right. you talk to some buddies that are married and their life wasn't. You know, it is yeah. what it is, right? I don't tell the kids to go out and do the things I was doing, but have Dude, some it's fun. fun for a season, hundred percent. Have some fun, right? So, um, that's kind of what it is. So, um. After 22, I realized, hey, man, I dropped the ball. So now it's like, okay, now it's go time. I was surrounded by the right people. I was, uh, I, I got into Montini. My father was the youth coach. So I got to watch him run his system. Yeah. I got to watch him run the best youth program in Illinois, them. And there's a, they're not the one of the best, right? There's a big uh, fight there. I don't want to get in, but they're one of the best clubs. So I got to watch him yeah. run that organization. At the same time as I'm the assistant coach under uh, Mike Bukowski, a legendary coach in Illinois. He's won football state, uh, softball state, and uh, wrestling state as a head coach. Okay. Um, just a phenomenal dude, right? So I'm I'm in there and I'm I'm learning from these guys and I'm figuring it out. And um and at that time, Sean Borme had overtime school of wrestling, which was in Naperville also. So I see this vision. There's a man over here who's made has a successful club and he's making a successful living. There's a great high school coach here who's running this really well. He's he's got this together. You know, he's things are going great. Yeah. Kids going into college. He's got a top level program. My father, bam, right here. I got a guy who's running the best youth club around. Like so it was right there in front of me. Yeah. I just had to shut my mouth. I had to figure it out or shut my mouth half the time and yeah. figure it out and uh, go through the system. Right. So, um, I had the best mentors in front of me. So, um, it started right then and there. I saw uh, how things were going and I chased every guy that was doing it better than I was. I chased their vision. I learned about them. I got obsessed with it. And, um, I, I, um, built a curriculum for the wrestling school. So I built a youth curriculum on what do I think youth kids need, what yeah. their biggest flaws are. So that's how I based my program. Kids would come in. I would get a checklist of stuff that they can can or can't do. Jot that down, jot that down, jot that down. And we'd work on all their errors and implement a new skill set into their wrestling. So that's how Izzy Style started. And um, I'm an assistant coach there. Life's good. Izzy Styles rolling. Right. And then um, Clay Guida is my best buddy. And uh, me and Clay Guida, uh, I was in Harper College taking some classes, and Clay Guida's there, a bunch of guys. And we grew up together, but that's kind of where me and Clay linked up. And these okay. guys are they're wrestling, they're fighting, you know, they're doing all that. Um, and then Clay, you know, was like, yo, man, this wrestling stuff, you know, you, you know, you got a pretty good niche of teaching it. Can you, can you show me and stuff? So I became great friends with Clay and he fights Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez beats him up and Greg Jackson invites us to Albuquerque, New Mexico. 2009, Clay Guida um, buys an RV. We drive down there. You know, I stay there for two months, hire a couple guys to help me run my club. Yeah, and the rest is history. I'm here. I'm the head wrestling coach at Montini going on my 10th year. Uh, we've won seven state titles, um, you know, 15 UFC titles with John Jones and Holly Holm. Um, you know, uh, How did you get hooked of- up? No, you got hooked up with, with John and Holly through New Mexico, correct? 
Yeah, so when Clay Guida lost to Diego Sanchez, we were in the lobby of the Palms. And and as we're sitting there, Coach Greg Jackson comes up to us and goes, you know, he's like, hey, you know, if you guys ever want to come down to our gym, you're more than welcome. You know, come down and check us out. And Clay Guida knew exactly what he needed to get to the next level, you know. He bought a $150,000 brand-new RV and, um, you know, basically packed up. And I went down there with him, and he lived there. And he started training, you know, and it was great. I got to show up at that gym. Um, Mike Van Arsdale was leaving the gym, so they didn't really have a wrestling guy. So I just went in there and started doing my thing. Before you know it, I got, you know, some of the best fighters in the world, the best the best club in the and world. And even like, I mean, I'm in, yeah. I'm in New York, so I know John Jones very well because we were in high school about the same time. So I know from a wrestling standpoint how good he is. You know, he wasn't just like some guy who said, I want to do MMA, teach me how to wrestle. Like, he was a good wrestler. How did you connect with him well enough for him to trust you to say, I'm a good wrestler, you can make me better? All right, so you wrestle him. You know, that at the end of all, at the end end of uh, all, all here, right? You gain respect wrestlers by wrestling each other, and yeah. uh, that's basically how it goes. I was, uh, I was fortunate. John uh, finished a workout and thought that he was just going to roll me over, and it didn't work out that way. <laughs> and um, you know, you gain a lot of respect going yeah. after the world. You know, going after one of the best guys, and I was older. I was a little heavier. I was uh, wasn't in the greatest shape. And um, you know, you put you show a guy a fight that he's never seen before, yeah. and he or show a guy a fight that he hasn't seen in a while. You know, and, and he respects you. You know, and then you know you're able to talk to him on his level. You're able to share some of your stories. That hey, dude, I know where you're at. Right. I, I see where your life's at. I was there before. Yep, and and it's interesting too because you know. Anybody who follows MMA or wrestling at all knows of Jones's ups and downs. And I'm assuming that given what you've gone through, there was that level of like, listen, I can relate. You did this. It's all good. Like, was there that confidence you had in trying to help somebody get to the point of that? How to word it? Like, did you have that feeling instantly with, with Jones and these other guys that, Hey, I can help you because I've been there. Like, was there that element of relate that helped you take it to I'll the next you level? What, man, I, I feel that way about these kids. I see that little fourteen-year-old Mexican kid who's who's um, looks like he's chasing the girls already, or look like he's believing his own hype. Yep. I pull them all. I, I sit down with these kids, random kids at these events, and and tell them my story and tell them to humble themselves a little bit out of respect because you, yeah. you see it and you look a young man in the eyes and go, "Come on, man, you ain't fooling me. Right. I know what's." on and they go holy cow you might be right and um you know when you when you know what someone else is doing without them telling you that yep. blows these young kids minds and um i i did a lot of things i probably i wasn't supposed to be doing and when i see guys doing that i have the upper edge of of acknowledging that and then sharing that and then they trust you yeah and and i imagine too like from a standpoint of getting to the next level what is your plan to continue like when you were a youth wrestler in high school, like you knew you had to continue leveling up. Have you done the same thing from a coaching standpoint? Have you tried to, to level up from a coaching standpoint and saying, I want to be better, whether it's making sure Montini gets better, whether we have better kids, whatever the case is. Like, have you noticed yourself trying to level up from that standpoint? Yeah. You know, one of the things I've realized is, um, 
you you can chase the you can beat the drum right you can chase the oh i got to find every bit of technique i got to find every as a coach and then you could you you can you can find different ways to to engulf yourself and distract yourself it was what i'm trying to say yep i've realized i have to be a better leader and that's my focus time management um bringing in the right people making sure the right people are around in this mix my job not only is um i, I try to I try to be there for the boys technically, but I also try to be there for if if I can't have that answer, I got the next guy there that's technically able to answer that, right? So my job isn't to to answer their questions, but to be able to 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 have a situation that can answer these guys' questions. So I got to bring the right people around, and um, it's leadership. That's uh that's truly what I'm focusing on now. So let me ask you this, because it, it sounds like even from your early days, when you, you fail, you hit rock bottom, you do these, it sounds like you have a lot of self-awareness. Even as a coach now, it sounds like you have a lot of self-awareness to say, okay, I need to be this. I need to communicate better. I need to have more leadership. Whatever. Where did you learn that self-awareness and how do you continue to, I feel like so many people hear about um, mindset and how important it is and being self-aware but they don't know what actually to do from a next step. Okay, you want me to be self-aware. How do I do that? Like, how did you become more self-aware and how do you help your athletes become more self-aware? You know what? I, 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 uh, I like, I, I tend to think of, you got to have the right people around you, you know, and um, they'll remind you, right? So yeah. if you got the right people around you, they're going to motivate you. And any yeah. motivated man's hard man to beat, right? Yeah. I got the best people around me. You know, I got the best fighters. I got the best rest wrestlers. And in my eyes, right? And everybody yeah. else's eyes matter, right? But in my eyes, I got the best wrestlers, yep. the hardest workers, the guys that do the right things. Like, you, you don't let those guys down. You don't let those people down, right? It's one of those things that my fiance is amazing. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. And every day it's like, yeah, you you have to self-reflect. You have to figure this out because you got a lot of people that you know, that, that rely on you. So, so you take that a little pressure and, and you, you maximize it, you use it. So there's, there's a lot of things that I like to do, um, to, to keep me grounded, to keep me focused, keep me, um, aware of what's going on and keep those things, the, 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 the things that I'm going to need to improve right in front of me. Yeah. I mean, I do the same thing. I had a, a, a close friend of mine go through some stuff and they're like, you know, they kind of keep falling into the same thing. And it's like, I, I don't understand kind of why this is happening on some degree. I'm like, listen, there's a reason I'm at church. There's a reason I read my Bible. There's a reason I surround myself with people that are more successful than I am. Right. Like otherwise I'd be in the same spot, if not worse than you. Like, is it when you have, when you're surrounding yourself with people that are great, you've had good parents, you've had good mentors, do you continue to look for more people too that you can surround yourself with? Or is it sometimes just doubling down on, okay, I have good parents. I have good mentors. Like, do you continue to find more of that? I'll tell you what, the, the friends that I have around me right now, the people that are in my life daily are, are unbelievable men and women that, um, um, I think the new people, you don't go looking. You you just don't, you don't go looking. You know, I, I don't think you go looking for a missing piece. Right. I, totally. I, I think people fall into your lap for a reason. I, I, I believe that people come in, into your life for a reason. And it, it's my job to, to learn from them, to get rid of them, to keep 
keep them around. It's it's um, but but I think it's a learning experience every time you bring someone around you, and it's your choice whether they're the type of people you want to keep in your life and get yeah. or get rid of in your life. And uh, I I know what type of people that I do not want around me. I know yeah. what people that I don't want in my wrestling club. And um, it's it's just part of it. I know the cancers of a wrestling club coach. I know the cancers of what type of youth parent do you want in your club and do you not want in your club? And you can see it. You've done it before. These dads think they're – they don't think that you you know what's going on. But you're like, dude, I've been doing this for 20 years, man. Like – you, you, I've had a guy like you with the kid as good as yours. Uh, yeah, you know, so yeah. you just you limit a lot of the things, you know. And and um, where I'm at, I got some really good people around me financially, some some wealthy individuals as far as fighters. So you got to be careful why people want to be so close to you. And um, yeah. as long as you're aware, you, we're gonna do good. Yeah, I I feel the same way. And it's funny, the more I feel like the more success you get. And the more success of those around you, it does get harder and harder. When when you're broke, when you fall on your face and you hit rock bottom, it's easy. Everybody leaves you. Like there's yeah. no not there's not one person who thinks they can get something from you. You find out who your friends are. It's harder when you start having success. Um, I'll tell you, I just moved. To, I, I was in Lomb. I, I lived in Villa Park, a town where where my gym was near, and and uh, it was you know when you're, as you're doing well, you know you got a million friends and you got a lot of fake friends. And I I just moved about 35 minutes away, um, into a quiet little area just to isolate myself and um, you know make sure I got those clean thoughts in my head and I'm surrounded by the right people. Yeah, and that takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. I think so many times people want like the they want the highs and they want the best of the best, but they're like, keep me humble, keep me grounded. Well, sometimes you got to make a sacrifice, like you said. Sometimes it's moving a half hour. Yeah, no doubt. That's um, that's the story of my life. You know, I'm, I'm making sacrifices for my family every day, um, but I'm also making sacrifices for my own mind. Um, you know, mental health health uh, is is something serious and. Um, you know, I've been in some spots where where I I know some guys that have been in some similar spots. They haven't, you know, it's hard to get back up. It's hard to kind of get your mind right. And um, I'm aware of that. I'm aware that mental health is uh, is serious. I'm aware that that brain in your that voice in your head can play tricks on you. Yeah. Uh, so I'm aware of that, and um, I just try to stay stay positive, and um, you know that's that's where my mindset is when it when it comes to that idea. Don't let your brain play tricks on you. You know what you want, you know what you like, and um, you continue to stay positive and go for it. Yeah, and I don't think it can be said enough how powerful the mind is, and it can like the heart can make a convert out of the mind. You see a lot of people that. They they don't stay grounded. Like you said, like you you know what it takes to stay grounded to continue to get to where you want. And if you don't do that, it's easy to fall. Like you you saw it like without us having to get into the specifics, Iowa City, like you saw what happened if you're not grounded. It doesn't take long. And you can lose everything. You can you can change your path and you know, luckily for you, like it worked out. Like your path took a different yeah. course <laughs> and now you're you know, you're coaching one of the top high schools in the country, some of the top you know, UFC fighters in the country, which kind of leads me to to something else I'm curious about. Like at this point in your life, speaking from strictly wrestling, we'll, we'll talk because if I had, if I asked you the question about wrestling, you'll say the birth of your child, I'm sure. 
But from a wrestling standpoint, everything you're doing, what do you think you're you're the most proudest of out of all the accolades that you've you know from from athletes you've had win at every level from different championships you've won as a team like what do you think is is the proudest accolade you have right now or what like means the most to you well beside my family right because that's illegal correct that's what i just said that's off that's off the table (laughs) you know to be honest with you it's nothing about any of the titles or any of the wins it's you know i'm really proud that I have positive relationships with boys that I've coached for the last 10 or 15 years. Yep. Um, they're still in my life. Um, a lot, All the alumni are coming, but not all, but most in the area come back and support us and, and donate to the program. And, you know, that that's what I'm proud of. I'm proud of the the, the ability to, to inspire some of these young men. I, I can't tell you how many times I'm, I get these letters or messages and uh, just certain things that thank you notes from from all these different athletes that 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 I've been able to to motivate along the way, and I think that if, if I could if I could toot my own horn, I'd, I'd say it would be that I'm still I'm still connected with the guys that I've coached. That it's yeah. not hey you're gonna wrestle here for a couple of years. I don't need you anymore. You don't need me. You see you later. You know I have yeah. uh, I have great relationships with with a lot of my athletes, and I and I value every one of them. And it's funny because so many coaches, like, I mean, Reese Humphrey just said it to me. It's like, listen, I got to be honest, like being in the corner, watching my guy get their hand raised, like I'm at the point where I rather win an Olympic championship as a coach with my guy getting raised. And you can see the authenticity. Same with Bono. Like you see how much he cares about these kids, like giving something like Christensen, Pete Christensen, 197. They pulled his red shirt at Wisconsin. So pizza, Montini, easy style boy. So we're pumped for him. Bono. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, man. And you, you can see like, that's gotta be a good feeling. Like, Eric Siebert and I talk about it all the time. Like he, all these kids at Sandberg that he coached up, and now like they 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 message us on Scrap Life. Yo, dude, how do I get a hold of Coach Siebert? Yo, like like you can see Eric seeing a kid at, at at NCAA's or the Open, like, and you can see that relationship. When I'm close to a lot of you coaches, you see how authentic that is. But it it's it's ignorant to most because they're like. Oh, dude, you were in a cage with John Jones when he wins the championship. Like, that's your high. You know what I mean? They don't because the, the perception of success is so different than it actually is. So so it's crazy, right? So you value all the relationships, right? Like, yeah. that. I don't ever want to be the dude that's like the cheesy guy, right? Yep. But <laughs> there's been some gnarly, gnarly, gnarly fights. Yeah. Holly Holt knocked out Ronda Rousey, 60,000 in Australia, yeah. right? The, the place went silent, like the bomb was went off. Yeah. Like true, like when people always say that, like the place went silent, like the bomb went off. When Holly went up to kick her, it was like slow motion. Yeah. Boom! Right? <laughs> it was it was just so there's been some cool stuff. You you know, John yep. Jones selling out arenas. I mean, we just did a signing with John and Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Magic Johnson, everybody's around. I mean, there's been a lot of fabulous, awesome memories um through this game that I've been fortunate enough. Private jets flying all over the world, um, you know, meetings with Dana White. I mean, it's it's been a long, fun ride, but you know, nothing tops the relationships, that's for sure. And how do you 
you know, this might sound corny too, but how do you stay humble after all that? Like, I feel like so many people get a hold of that, and that's not easy. Like, dude, the 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 luxury lifestyle in any capacity, whether it's success, whether it's enjoying the luxuries of like being in Vegas and getting upgraded to a suite and then going to a normal room. Like, I I see how I won't mention it, but some of the people that I surround myself with that do have a lot of money that stay in the, in the penthouse suite. They don't care when they go stay in a normal room. Sometimes their friends are like, oh, dude, you don't have the suite. But they're like, who cares, man? When I have it, great. If not, but like, how have you stayed humble through all that noise? Well, I've been fortunate enough. I've failed and, and survived and failed and survived, right? So in yep. order for me to stay on track, I can't. I got to be smart with my finances and I got to do the right things. And yep. uh, that's it. You know, it's a it's a it's a vacation. You know, it really is. It's a, you, you, you think about certain things as a vacation and not a lifestyle. And um, that's where my mindset is. Hey, this is this is a vacation. Right. This yep. this fun weekend or fun idea. But hey, Monday, you're back on the grind and um, yep. being around young boys, being around my IKWF, my youth boys, my 15 and unders. I mean, it's humbling. You, you know, I know every one of their names. We we, I have a great relationship with a lot of my athletes, you know, most of my athletes that, that uh, a real relationship, uh, you know, so that, that humbles you, you know, these 12, 13, 14 year old boys are watching your Instagram. They're watching your Snapchat. They're wa- they're aware of your lifestyle. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more mature as a, as a coach and a man. So, you know, just, just, um, Father time has been helped me out. Having two baby boys has helped me. Having uh, a fiance that 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 I adore has helped me. It's helped me stay on the right path. And what have you done from a standpoint of have you used the the success you've had to get more success in moderation? Meaning, have you taken the lifestyle of saying, look at John Jones is uber successful. Holly Holm at the absolute pinnacle, you know, knocks out Ronda Rousey, who's the face of UFC. Have you been able to take those moments and not brag about them, but leverage them to say, like, I think social media, social media is dangerous, right? You can use it in a way that gives a false perception of what your life actually is, which I'm sure you see a lot of it with guys that want to hang around some of these superstars and pretend they're best friends, pretend they live like that. But at the same time, like there's an element of showing some success because you're there, you're enjoying it. You want to share with those people. And also I would think it helps instills confidence in others saying this guy's hanging out with Montini constantly. He's their coach. This guy's hanging out with John Jones, with Holly Holm, with, with Clay Guida, like, Guida is a savage. He's been around for so long. Like that creates awareness. Have you been able to use social media like that? You know, I think that, 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 you know, you, you, you use the social media to, 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 to show, to spotlight your friends, to spotlight families, to spotlight your team, you know, it's, and, and, you know, it's a fine line, right? You want to, you want to bump, 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 and then it gets to what's, 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 what's bragging, what's not bragging. Right. So, I mean, you know, have I used social media to, to benefit the, the wrestling schools? Yeah, that's the purpose, right? There's right. the business side of this game, and yep. the business side of this game is serious. There's a there's a there's a there's a lot of money that that could that's out there to be made in this recruiting business, yeah. in this youth sports industry, um, the apparel industry. There's just yeah. there's a lot of money there. So um, you know, so so you can't lose sight of that part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do your kids? From the the kids you coach, do they ask you about 
how you use social media. Like I know for me, I get blown up with kids with you know these wrestlers that like they just get into college and they start sliding into my DMs. Should I do this? Should I do that? What should I focus on? I'm like, focus on your career right now. Like build your brand, keep keep a following and be out there. Don't be offline. But I'm noticing younger and younger, these kids are coming out with massive followers. Soriano is what, halfway through high school? He's got 100,000 followers, right? Like these kids are coming out of high school now with big audiences. Do do you find your kids come to you for advice on how they should try to balance that? Yeah, you know, I, we got we, we got a lot of kids, you know. I'll tell you what, we, we there's 170 Izzy style members, right? So we, we coach a lot of guys and, and we're giving a lot of lectures and, 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 and talks on this social media platform on hey guys, these college coaches are looking at your social media. What do you wanna what do you wanna portray to them? Who are you? Remember yeah. that. So so we're giving a lot of advice like that, you know. Don't be stupid on social media advice, right. you know. But we're also Letting these guys know, hey, you know, we know who's watching our Instagram stories. It it, it shows, right? Yep. So on my phone, it says I got, you know, so many Instagram people watching my story. And you yep. can show the boys, hey, look at this coach is watching my Instagram story. You know, like, hey, guys, they're interested and in, they're watching you. They're checking you out. So, you know, the yep. boys are aware that a lot of the coaches are following us on Instagram and social media. Um, they're aware of the platform that Izzy and Montini have. Um, so, you know, like like we like we try to do and I'm sure you try to do for all your clients is um, you try to maximize what social Social media can do. Right. You want it to benefit you rather than hurt you, and um, it's unfortunate. But there's a lot of kids out there whose social media is hurting them. It's distracting them. A lot of these well, kids, that's... they're looking for sponsors. They're looking for this. They're looking for that. They're looking for this, and they're not training. They're not working. They they're too busy. They they head kicked a turd, and now they're 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 reposting fifty highlights of head kicking a turd rather than practicing the head kick more, right? So yeah. I think social media's got its downfalls, but we we try to look at it positive. And it's interesting because you have both sides of it. You have the standpoint of saying you could easily, if you weren't humble and, and grounded in your foundation, you could easily double your social media following right now by being more chauvinistic, right? And you don't do that. Like it it's obvious. Like you're you 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 give equal airtime to those things around you and you don't try to like I see it. You don't try to brag. I see that you post more about your athletes at Montini than when you're with John Jones or Holly Holm or you're you're balancing that. Has that come natural to you or do you have to try hard and think about what you're doing? Like yeah. what's that like? You know what? It's it's um the things that are important to me, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, it's, that's what that's what I use my social media for. I use it to highlight the the things that are great in my life, right? I don't use it to totally. uh, I don't use it to um to, to, to I don't post to see who's gonna get the most likes, right? right? I don't show it. I don't share it. If that was the case, I'd share a million John Jones videos and him kicking and us in Corvettes, right. Lamborghinis, and yeah. all that other, you know, all that nonsense. But you know, it's just I, 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 um, I try to show a lot of love to the people that I care about, and um, that's that's where my social media is at. You know, I um, obviously there's a business concept about it, but yeah. you know, I. 
you know, if you look at my social media, that's that's not right front. This isn't just my business page, right? Where I'm not selling my camps and selling this and yeah. selling that and selling this. And the guys that are doing that, God bless them. I don't have a problem with those guys. I'm learning from them every day. Right. So keep totally. posting, keep sharing. <laughs> you know, I, I love these guys that are on social media selling and wheeling and dealing and, yeah. and hustling on there. I don't do that. We post flyers. We post some dust stuff every now and then. But mostly it's about you know, what's going on in my day-to-day life. Yeah. And speaking about your day-to-day life, what what's coming up for you? What are, what are you excited about? What are you working towards? You know, you do have so many different verticals going on with between both Montini and then on the UFC level. What, what What's coming up that you're excited about? Like, what do you have going on? What are you looking to do? Like, what is that day-to-day life so, looking like? Oh, it's great. I just got off the phone with Daniel Cormier. Um, he, um, We fly out there December 30th. And on okay. New Year's Eve, Montini duels uh, Gilroy. So Montini is currently ranked sixth in the country, and Gilroy is ranked 10th. So we have a big duel meet on New Year's Eve against our, our school, Montini, versus Gilroy. Um, the, the fifth, sixth, we got Doc Buchanan, the biggest tournament on the West Coast uh, for Montini. January 18th, Holly Holm uh, is fighting on uh, the Conor McGregor card. Um, and that weekend is the Beat the Streets duels for the Montini. Um, um, and then, you know, right into February 8th, John Jones. John Jones is fighting February 8th. And then the following weekend, sectionals in Illinois. State, team state, and then, you know, kind of relaxing. But the next two months are going to be, every day is going to be, uh, we're going to be on the run, working our butt off. To, and we got some big goals ahead. We got high school state, youth state, uh, win world title, Holly home to get back up in the ranks. So there's a lot going on at, at Team Izzy Style. And by the way, have you set a date yet? No, you know what? It's a, it's one of those things. It's so it's too hard. Um, <laughs> we, we with John fighting and um, the state tournament, it, it limits us to where we are. But you know what? My fiance is cool. She she um she she's just a special person. And um, my life, I can I can attribute all my success to you. Any man can say whatever they want, and they can be think they're as badass as they want. Dude, but I not. need my wife like I need anything. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my girl is amazing, and um, I have two beautiful boys, and um, she doesn't – she's happy. And, um, yeah. you know, I don't think that um, it's ever going to get to the point where, you know, I'm going to delay it long enough where she says, <laughs> what the hell's going on? Right. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, we're getting there. You know, once we find some time and we know John's not fighting and not, no big events, we're going to set a day and have a uh, have a big wedding. I look forward to it. Well, listen, man, I know you got a busy schedule. I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to stop by. Hey, man, listen, it was great to talk to you. Um, it's a pleasure sharing my story. You know, there's a lot of uh, of good things going on in Illinois and um, Izzy Style Wrestling and Montini Catholic and then, then the and the fight game. And, and, and if anybody wants to, uh, anybody's ever in Chicago, any wrestlers are ever in Chicago, our wrestling gym is 20 minutes away from O'Hare Airport. Uh, there's a code box on the door. Um, you let us know. You're anybody's welcome. Um, it's 8,000 square feet of rest. It's it's amazing. So um, yeah, come on, and bring I'm, it on. And I'm gonna link up Izzy's Instagram, his Twitter. I'm gonna link up everything below. So if you guys want to go follow him, and you should, you you need to follow this journey. It's fun. It's it's entertaining. It's valuable. He's someone that you need to keep your eye on. 
and we're just getting started. Right, right. It's still early. You don't know what's coming next. <laughs> yeah. Good to talk to you, bud. All right, sweet man. We'll talk soon. And that is all that we have for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode, whether it was your first episode or this was your 24th episode because you've listened to all 24 episodes so far. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Justin Bash. You can interact with me on Instagram at jbash, on Twitter at Justin J. Bash, or send me an email, go to the website, do whatever you got to do. If you want to reach me, I'm very accessible. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. we got many more great guests coming up, just like Izzy. If you want to go back into our archives, listen to Jordan Burroughs, Bo Nickel, David Taylor, Seth Gross, Jordan Oliver, Frank Molnaro, Yanni, you name it, Helen Maroulis, the guest archive is starting to build up. So subscribe to the podcast, send me your feedback, and I will see you next week for the next episode. See ya! And the beat goes on.